You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Hi, everyone. My guest today is Amy Berryman. Amy is a playwright and actor based in New York City. She and I have known each other peripherally through the community for the last eight or nine years, I believe. We were cast in a reading together years ago, and we've kept in touch. I've been so impressed watching her develop her writing skills over the years, and her persistence and groundedness as an artist is something I really admire. She had her first production of her play, Walden, earlier this year uh, in the West End in London. It was in a socially distanced production um, by Sonia Friedman Productions, The Reemerge Season. And it's also just finishing up a run at Theatre Works Hartford. I believe that finishes on August 29th, if you get a chance to see it in person or you can uh, view it virtually as well. So thank you, Amy, for your time and your honesty. You can check out what Amy's up to at www.amy-berryman.com. I hope you all enjoy the 178th episode of The Compass. But I'm going to dive in to the deep end with the first question, and then we'll see where it yes. takes us. Okay. Okay. So what do you do to try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist? I think there's, I was thinking about it, and there's like two kinds of dark sides. One that feels really productive and good, and as a writer, I need to like use it, um, one that I, you know, drawing from all of the pain and, you know, turmoil, anxiety, like putting all of it into the work. And then there's the dark side that's just, um, I feel like it's just the closest to meeting like, like a demon or pure evil or something, because it (laughs) it feels like this voice that just compares me to any person I might compare myself to people I'd never would have imagined I could compare myself to it uh tells me I'm a failure use like it it's really intense uh and I think for me that one of the main ways is not avoiding it and going through it or like confronting it and dealing with it when it comes up because I can really easily just avoid 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 like you know, pick up my Instagram numb on my phone Mm -hmm. or drink about it or um, not, you know, not actually deal with it. Um, And so through actually writing or sitting and crying and feeling all the painful things, I feel like is sort of how I'm able to move through it. I also do things like listen to podcasts with interviews with writers and other artists that are, um, inspiring and also just community I think is the big one too like not isolating myself in it I think that in 2020 I really um found myself isolating in my dark side moments um rather than and when I would reach out to like the writers groups that I'm in my friends family that's you know actually connecting about it my therapist therapy Mm -hmm. main way to not go to the dark side um that I think just facing it is 
and, and also knowing that it will always be a part of the journey. Um, but when it comes up, it always just feels like, wait, no, I thought I was past this. Like I was, right. I was past this. Um, I think so, it's easy to forget yeah. too, that most people feel it. It's easy to say like, I'm the only person yes. who feels this way. The only person yeah. who does the comparison or the only person who's so down on themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which just is yeah. not true. And I think it also uh, really comes up for me when I've done something really vulnerable or brave. I, it almost is like I have a vulnerability hangover or mm. something where I, I feel ultra sensitive the next day. Like I went and saw my play this weekend and hadn't seen it um, at Theorics Hartford and hadn't seen it in a week and it was wonderful. Um, but the next day I was so just like, I could feel it. Cause even though I've seen it, many times over the past several months, which is a whole thing we can talk about, but it still is just so exposing to sit and like listen to words that you and kind of exposing and scary to claim that space. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot to I say. Can but- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely know that feeling you're talking about where maybe there's like adrenaline that night and then the next yeah. morning you're like, was it really what I thought it was? What it what was yeah. that feeling? Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. How are you? Are you in New York right now? I'm currently in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, just through Friday. Um, I've been, you know, a little nomadic since yeah. April. Um, I was in London and then I was in Hartford and I've been in New York for two weeks. Um, I gave up my apartment before I left for London and um, so I've been just sort of bouncing around. So right now I'm in my friend's apartment in the West Village, which has been really lovely. Um, and how am I? I'm really, yeah. I'm how good. are you now? Yeah. <laughs> how are you now? And how have you been yeah. throughout the pandemic? I feel like, um, and then we can kind of talk about everything that's been happening with your play yeah. this year too, which must be like such a different kind of pandemic experience. Yeah. Um, but the first um, question is just, how are you? It's <laughs> insane. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really good overall. I mean, the kind of thing, you know, I'm healthy, my family's healthy, I, you know, there's all these very basic things that you feel so grateful for. Um, And, I mean, my pandemic, uh, I, I lived in a studio apartment, which was such a like blessing at the time. I, I'm such a social person. And, it was such a haven and felt like a big achievement to like be able to rent a studio while I was working as a bartender, you know, it was just such a great thing. And, but then it became just this dark side place, you know, um, so isolated and, um, you know, I took it all very seriously and maybe was too isolated. Like maybe I could have risked going on more walks with my friends and, but Mm -hmm. you know, you just don't know. So I feel like the first many months, uh, I, w- I was got to be pretty depressed and my brother came and rescued me and brought me to Indiana where his family and his, you know, my nephews, uh, live. And so I got to be there in June and a little bit of July. Um, and that was really, really helpful. Um, and then came back, started working at the bar again that I was bartending at, which was like, so weird to kind of go back to that service industry thing in the midst of a pandemic. There's so much we didn't know. I was really scared. Like, 
being outdoors like who I who knew that you know it probably was fine I I don't know but at the time I was really freaked out and it was sort of weird I I also just felt like there needed to be a new um like uh etiquette or something <laughs> and so I made this yeah. Instagram post that went viral <laughs> um like a week <laughs> like a few days after I started uh working back at the bar and I was really just like trying to like figure out a way out I was so angry and just felt like wow this doesn't feel sustainable Uh, you know I've done this for 10 years and I don't know if I can do this anymore and um and also I'd been so like unsure about what my theatrical career would be um I sort of felt like okay this production of my play um was going to be in this theater in Philadelphia got canceled you know, maybe I, maybe I can, I don't know what the future of theater is. I joined a group of screenwriters trying to learn how to write better for screen and TV and, um, was really trying to focus on that. And then I kind of had this miracle happen where my agents called me like maybe a week after I started working at the bar again, um, and said that, Sonia Friedman, who's this huge UK and American producer, and her company had read my play Walden and wanted to produce it um, on the West End in this socially distanced theater festival that they were forming, and mine was sort of the first one that they picked. Oh my gosh. And and it was just this That timing is so incredible. It was so incredible, and also didn't feel real. I didn't understand what they were even telling me. I I was just like, what could this call even be about? Like, there's no theater. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So it, um, I didn't believe it was real until I sort of talked to Sonia and talked to the folks over there and started to kind of leave it was real. But even then, like it was supposed to happen in November, of course, then it got delayed. And there have just been so many points in my artistic career. And I'm sure everyone's artistic career where we think this is going to be the thing like, Oh, mm-hmm. I think something's actually going to change. And there were so yeah. many times that happened that, um, you know, it didn't change or it, it, I got close to something and didn't get it or whatever. So I just kept feeling like knowing this would be so beyond anything I had dreamed or wished for. Like I had, you know, had a goal of, you know, I'd love to have my play open off Broadway, which I still would love that to happen, but I just never imagined the West End, this group of like legendary people that I worked with. And um, so then it, the pandemic sort of became this like desperate anxiety and hope for many months <laughs> that I, you know, I did quit my job at the bar cause I thought I was going in November and wanted to give myself some time mm. off in between. And then it got pushed back and I went to Seattle where I'm from for a little while and just hung out with my parents, which I was really lucky to get to do. Um, then came back to New York and it did end up happening and I did end up going and, um, and it was incredible. Um, but there was just, I mean, so many months that I just drove everyone in my life crazy because I couldn't really tell that many people and I didn't know. And it just sounded so uncertain bonkers. Like it sounded bonkers (laughs) that I was like, yeah, my play is going to happen in a theater during this but like I I just it's it was um 
Yeah. <laughs> They're like, sure, I, it, it is, is really. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's how I felt. And I'm sure that's how, I don't know. I It's just, it's so How did it work? Miraculous. Was it just like a very limited amount of audience members or? It was only about, um, it was about 50% capacity each night. You know, we got a really good pocket of time because the UK was under lockdown for so long. So ours are, it happened right as things were reopening. So like when I landed, outdoor dining had opened for the first time in like maybe four or five months, which ours Mm. was such a different level of lockdown. Like theater has been locked down, but like the producers over there are very, have been very determined from the get go to make things happen. Um, So we caught this really lovely pocket of time where cases weren't, you know, I was checking the cases every day while I was over there during rehearsal. Um, I mean, we were in a rehearsal room without masks. I mean, some of our uh, stage management team had masks and like there were moments we were masked, but we were really free to work in a really beautiful way. Um, and then the audience members and the theater and everything were, were masked. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it really felt, although it wasn't packed or anything, it was, it felt, um, really nice. I mean, and amazing. I, you know, miss theater so much as everyone does or has been. Um, so yeah, it was very amazing and, and intense. So and a sort of a strange moment to have this really huge career yeah um thing because uh yeah there's just a lot that comes along with that of guilt and joy and um <laughs> imposter yeah, like, wasn't anyone in your so family able to come see it i know you had yes, a few friends but yes uh they did uh there's a lot of really intense quarantine rules or there were um but my parents did quarantine and um got to see the play which was really really special yeah that's great yeah that must be strange to be to have such a moment of joy within a time of such yeah uncertainty and not Mm -hmm. really be able to share it with everybody in the way that you normally would yeah yeah it definitely like it I you know there's so many more people that would have been able to come and see but um but at the same time it just you know there was one preview that we had to cancel because we had a sort of a scare that was really overblown but we thought okay if someone has been exposed then we should you know be overly cautious and um you know at that moment it just makes you realize like this is so precarious it's so delicate you know there's so much I can worry about is that moment working like is it all like you know, there's so many little details that I worry about, but then ultimately it's like, let's just do it. Like, I'm so grateful to get to like have it seen and make something. Um, so yeah, this has been a very wild, um, I mean, entire pandemic, obviously, but past four months have been really wild. And now you're working on the same play in, um, in Connecticut, you said? Yes. So, uh, it has this outdoor production at TheaterWorks Hartford, um, which has been really incredible working with um, Nan Teal as the director, who, you know, we'd originally thought it would just be like, we'd build the stage indoors and film it and be streaming, but mm. um, we kind of caught, um, again, this really lovely moment of, well, we could be together outdoors, and what if we built the play set in a cabin, like, 
in the middle of the wilderness, like what if we built a cabin? Like what if we had the actors mic'd and have head had the audience have headphones so that it oh, feels cool. really intimate and not um not so because it's a very intimate play and um so you aren't projecting like Shakespeare in the park style um for this play that should have really intimate moments um so that has been really special it was very intense to like immediately dive into another rehearsal process having just done it um and so I'm very oversaturated with this play and so grateful <laughs> to be oversaturated with it. Well, that but, was my question is, yeah. have you had, have you had that experience before of having multiple productions of the same play or has, is this the first one where you've been able to work on it so closely multiple times? Well, that is what is so beyond about all of it is the West End production was my first production of a play that I wrote. And so it was this very, very high level debut is the word they you know keep using and um it's so it was terrifying I I I didn't have a a process like I I'm an actor also so I've been in obviously many productions as an actor but I didn't have a process for I, I didn't know what it was to like let go of a play and give it over to the director give it over to the actors that was terrifying. Um, I didn't have a process for do I do I want to read reviews or not. I I didn't have, I didn't know. So there's a lot of things I did that I was just sort of like you know baptism by fire, learning as I go and trying to act like very calm, normal. And I was <laughs> freaking out. Um, so not only had I never experienced this, but then going to the next production. Um, I mean, I don't know definitely in 2021 I I feel so so lucky to like have had that experience and then have this other production here um you know there were very different uh productions very different groups of people um and you just learn so much from from both of them and what's been really beautiful is that I feel that the play sort of stands on its own on both sides of the you know on in England and then here in this production that feels so different um, but yeah, it's been really, um, big learning curve, very intense. <laughs> so exciting. Uh, so, um, when did you start writing? Um, I think, I guess in, I mean, I've always been a writer, but was so focused on acting for so long and had never tried playwriting, but as a kid, I like wrote a novel when I was like six or something, you know, I was very <laughs> creative and um, into writing, but in 2015, I was in a play in the Humana Festival, and I think just like that exposure to like the world of new plays and um, and playwriting was really exciting to me. And I was really depressed <laughs> right after it was over, and like put myself into a playwriting class and sort of put that into the work, and kind of just never looked back. I mean, I. I think that it's just been, it's been a really great feeling of agency as an artist, whereas, you know, you know, as a actor, we have to ask to do anything, it feels like. So um, that has been really empowering. And, um, and it's just felt like with acting, there's been a lot of doors that have that I've knocked on for a long time that have never opened. And with writing, it's like they just swung open, swung open. So 
so yeah, I, and you know, um, I think we know each other, my friend Liba Weinberg and I, or not, no, we know each other much further back, but you came to Liba's in Red Walden once. I did, yeah. Very early, which was so kind, and um, that was very, very early. Um, it was probably like 2017 it. or something Yeah, like I started writing it in 2016, and I think, yeah, it was probably 2017. Yeah. Um, and we were, you know, both always going out for the same roles, me and my friend Liba, and we sort of started writing together and mm. having these readings at her house to kind of um, to kind of give each other deadlines and actually make things happen. And so, yeah, it, um, it's kind of just, um, I've just started focusing on that because that's where all the doors have opened. And it's just been, um, yeah, it's been really great. I love that you've found a way to have community like within your writing. Yes. Because it can seem like such a solo thing, which is amazing in some ways. Like it gives you that agency, like you said, but the fact that you and Leba were giving each other accountability or the writing classes or writing groups mm-hmm. that you're a part of, I think that's really yeah. lovely. I think that's what I like best about it is that I do have this introverted side that feels fulfilled by that actual, sometimes horrible and really hard uh, writing process. But then getting to be in community with the writing and get to be working with actors and directors and, or just other writers in a writing class. But I do think that that is so important for me. And, you know, going back to not going to the dark side, I feel like that is kind of the only way to, but then that comes with such vulnerability and fear by just like having to actually share the work. Um, So, but the reward is to me huge. Do you feel any sort of pressure to go down this new road as a writer and kind of close the door on acting or are you at peace with kind of pursuing both at the same time and accepting like that they're both an active part of your artistry right now? I really despise the pursuit of acting. (laughs) I just find it so, (laughs) so awful and so um, disheartening and I just so... I like I the hate that it's, of writing. I hate that it's so different from actually doing the I work. Know, I know. <laughs> it really so like is. for me, it's I I don't enjoy, you know, having to watch myself when I'm learning to get when I've been in classes to learn to audition for on camera. I I you know, I I just it gets it's like unhealthy for me almost. And maybe I'll get to a place where that's not the case. I think when I've made a short film that I was in or was a part of the process of making something, it's a little easier because it feels like you have more control. Maybe it's just about control that I really hate not having any control as an actor. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think that – so for now, I, I am I am actually going to be in a film that this writer's group that formed in COVID, we like wrote a – series of shorts that kind of all form a short feature and we're going to shoot it in October um, in LA and I am going to be a small part in that so that will be great but I think I'm not doing anything like pursuing Mm. acting right now (laughs) I don't know sometimes I feel like I should be or but what is should you know I feel like I'm just I continue I, I really love the role of writer at the moment um, and creating the world and creating the opportunities because you still get to be in communion with actors and people that you know are just so thrilling to be around and 
interesting and um and there's something about just like being having your work not be um dependent on your corporeal body that is really yes freeing to me and I so respect actors like I think actors are heroes and so um generous to like put their bodies out on the line and you know and I know actors that get so much from that but to me it's it's been really freeing to sort of divorce myself from that through writing and um yeah it's just something that I think for a long time I I think that comes along with the dark side of being an actor for me is the comparison and the oh I'll never be you know this movie star type of actor or like this, you know, X, Y, Z person I could compare myself to. And it just feels there's such high pressure from like, there's already so much pressure on women about how you look. And then to add being an actor on top of it and having gone to conservatory and um, yeah, it's, it's really freeing to have my art divorced from that. So I enjoy that. (laughs) That's wonderful. Yeah. I was going to say even for female actors it's like so much even more intense and I love like a really good like physical physical theater like that's a different thing but just yes the pressure that's put on the observation of your body as a woman Mm -hmm. in general is just so intense yeah and even like actors have to break their hearts every night on stage like you have to just it's so intense and so beautiful um but I think and and there is part of me that I, I am a really emotional person and I wonder if I do need that outlet, but it's just been interesting to kind of, you know, in some ways, okay, I in like this rehearsal process in Hartford, it's like I've done a lot of the work already. There's still so many challenges, but it's so, and, and so many things to figure out as a team and tweaks to make and everything, but it's kind of nice to have been like, oh, yep, I, I broke my heart when I wrote this. Here you go. Like, I already did it. <laughs> <laughs> now you, you, know, you all do it. Um, your turn. <laughs> your turn. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, but I do think being an actor so informed um, my writing and just wanting to give actors really great roles to chew on and kind of knowing the sort of roles that I was attracted to and sort of writing from there. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line how has your family taken in your choice to be an artist for your living mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. now this kind of pivot to writing well my father is an actor writer director um jack of all trades artist so i grew up mostly in Seattle, but from ages one to seven, we lived in Texas where he taught theater at a university. And mm-hmm. um, so I kind of grew up like have early memories of him doing Suzuki and, you know, like it's all been kind of, I, I've known theater from a young age. And I think my mom did at some point have sort of a 
are you serious? Like our kids are going to be actors. Are you joking? Is like moment. <laughs> but I think he was like, what? My dad was like, what do you want her to do? Like, this is what she wants to do. And they have, I've been so lucky that they have been very supportive of me. Um, just what does your mom do? My mom's a speech pathologist. Mm. So she's like very emotional. I mean, our whole family is very emotional like breeds good actors I think <laughs> but um, well, that's not yeah. so foreign to what you're doing either totally it's yeah so study of speech with language. And, yeah. yes totally um but they've just been sort of thrilled by the pivot to writing like I think they can see that I am happier overall so that's it's great good. do you have any mentors who have been helpful to you in this process of finding this part of your artistic life Yes. Um, Jessica Dickey, I think you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessie, I took her writing classes maybe I too, so many times. Like I just maybe am the most repeat offender of her writing classes. I don't know if she'll be doing them again anytime soon, but that's where I wrote my first play through your summer. It's where I sort of finished writing Walden. I did a revision of Walden in that class. So I feel like she has been, and she was my acting coach before that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel like, and she's an amazing actor, writer, and sort of following her journey as an artist has been so inspiring. And um, she's such a huge part of me continuing to be an artist at all. I got to be in her play, The Convent, um, that was off-Broadway that, like, directed by Daniel Talbot, who I ended up being, like, very close with him and his wife and kind of finding a new group of artists through getting to do that show. Um, so she has been a huge, amazing mentor. Erin um, Courtney, who wrote the play I was in the Humana Festival, is also like such an important playwright to me, an incredible writer, and um, has just been so supportive of, of me, you know, throughout all of it. And um, yeah, and then Daniel Talbot, Addie Talbot, like those folks... I feel like all my friends are my mentors because they also just have to deal with all my anxieties and kind of guide me through all of it. Um, but I think, I think mentors are so when you're, important. When your best yeah. friends are people that you admire, they do turn into mentors Absolutely. kind of. Yeah. They're your peers and your mentors. Yeah. It's so true. Do you ever find yourself like, I don't know how, what I'm saying here. I want to ask you about like giving yourself permission. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever find that you have a hard time giving yourself permission to take a risk or permission to take up mm-hmm. space in the room? That that kind of like a yeah imposter syndrome issue that everyone talks about. How do you yes. how do you deal with feelings like that? I mean, I do not know how I deal with it, Like, but I just do, I guess. I, I feel it all the time. I felt it so intensely in London. You know, I'm working, I was working with Ian Rickson, who's this legendary director and incredible actors. And I remember at some of the final runs in the rehearsal room, it's a very emotional piece, but Ian had sort of like injected it with like all this ferocity and emotion and, and it was just like, this is so big. This is so, Mm. this is too much. I just kept thinking that and telling like my friends that I think it's too much. Like, I think, I think it's, it's too big. It's all these things. I I was panicking. And I think 
and Ian was sort of like, you're going to want this in the big theater. Like you're going to want, you know, just stay the course. You're going to, you're going to be grateful for this. Even in the theater, I was like, it's too big. It's too much. I, but what I have processed as a result, cause I kind of eventually calmed down and, and was able to see it for what it was, but I was just afraid of this thing I had written. I was afraid of like my voice taking up all of this space and, ca- yeah. and being the sort of cause of these giant performances. You know, I, I was, I was so scared of that more than anything, I think. Um, and so to move, and I think then it became a fear of letting go of the play. It was just like new fear after new fear as soon as I got over the one. Um, but I think that with the imposter syndrome, I mean, I'm a big fan of like the artist's way and the um, affirmations in the artist's way. I do those a lot. Like I do, you know, I am willing to be seen and all these, I just like repeat writing these things over and over just uh-huh. to kind of center me. I mean, I have to work really hard to not kind of go to a place that's in the imposter syndrome world. And I think that, but I think moving through that experience in London was able to, made me better able to also like sit more calmly and with more ease in the rehearsal room in Hartford. And I think we'll continue to, it just was such a like, yeah, high intensity experience. That's such a big jump from being used to like doing readings in living rooms and on Zoom and to suddenly Mm -hmm. being like, no, this is the venue that we've always been aiming for. Yeah. 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 It was very, very um, incredible. And and it was just interesting that the words too much were the things that just kept coming up for me. And I think that that was actually more about me and more, and I think as women or me, I should can also just speak for my experience. Like I, it's taken a long time to really be able to own my voice and own the fact that I have things to say. And um, yeah. Yeah. Are there any lessons that you've learned over the last couple of years that you're really proud of that you wouldn't mind sharing? Lessons that I am proud of. Could be something um, small. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, yes, I mean, I'm sure there's so many. I, I think... Um, I don't know if I still, if I have achieved this, but a step in the right direction as far as trusting in the right timing of like the universe and not my (laughs) timing. Um, Just, you know, if the play had happened in November, it would have been shut down. We caught this beautiful moment in time where we were able to do it safely. And um, I think also just trusting in myself that there will be more work that like I'm sort of struggling right now with I think I'm sort of desperate to write something else so that I can just move past this giant thing that just happened and um Mm. be able to move and be like okay I did it I wrote another play like I've been working on a pilot and you know working on projects but I kind of feel the need to just write any other play so that I can move past um, the fear. Um, 
And so I think I'm learning right now, trusting that there will be more there. There will be more ideas. There will be more and that I can have, give myself permission to take the time for it to, yeah. to come. Um, what sorts yeah. of things do you like to do to kind of refill your creative cup? Um, I think reading. Which I guess they might it might be kind of like, different right now yeah. in the pandemic than it normally. Would. I know, right? Like it normally, I mean, I am going to go see Passover tonight, which I'm really excited about. Oh, um, but I think seeing other plays, seeing other, you know, reading novels, seeing other pieces of art that don't have to do with um, necessarily playwriting, but, um, I guess also just taking, and as I'm saying it, I'm like, yeah, Amy, take time off and hang out with your friends, like fill your, you know, fill your, <laughs> like chill out. Um, yeah. I mean, I think for me, just connection with other people that I love and who are important to me is a, is a huge way of, of refilling. And yeah. I guess, seriously as I'm saying this I am just laughing at myself that I'm like yeah not put so much pressure on myself that helps fill my cup up I'm like that's what I've been doing for like the past two however and plus weeks oh my god so it's funny it's, it's a, a good constant reminder, reminder yeah <laughs> yes yeah. um I know we talked a little bit earlier about um how you bartended for a long time and mm-hmm. you're not currently but mm-hmm. How do how are you feeling about that kind of balance of art and commerce? What are some of the things over the years that kind of helped you figure that quilt out, figure out how to deal with, you know, not mm-hmm. necessarily making your living from your your artistic work? I mean, I think writing really helped me balance it because it felt like I was getting to pursue something that that felt like an investment in myself um and acting I I guess maybe that's just me figuring out aligning like what I actually want or something but um okay I might have to go back and answer this a different way (laughs) because I'm not totally sure I mean it's so hard to make a living as an artist and it's so hard to make a living living in New York City um so I think you know, that's sort of the first step is being able to feed yourself and being able to pay your rent. And I think however you can cobble that together is amazing and brilliant. And you've achieved so much when you can just do that, like so much. And I think for me, it was, it took a long time to sort of find the job that allowed me to make the right amount of money and have the right amount of space for my art. Um, which I kind of finally found in the final five years that I was doing it. Um, and, but I also, you know, when I first moved to New York, I did a lot of temp work. I did, I, I've done a lot of kind of random stuff to kind of cobble it all together. And I think that, I think finding, mm, I don't know what I want to say about it. I just want to acknowledge that like, it's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. And, um, and right now I'm still cobbling all of that together. Like I am teaching a playwriting class on zoom. That's mainly geared towards actors. Um, cause I feel like even if actors, like for me, I find that when I 
commit to something or do something, all these other things happen in the universe. Like there's some quote that sticks with me that's like, when you move, the universe moves too. And I, mm-hmm. I, so I find that even if you aren't going to become a playwright, if as an actor you want to like commit to taking a class in playwriting and just sort of seeing what that level of agency and creativity outside of your acting world can do, uh, you know, I think something tends to happen, whatever that something may be. I really believe in that, which is woo-woo or whatever. But um, I think it can just kind of break open um, something inside. I just really believe that even if people don't think they're writers, like everyone has so much inside them. And I've just found in these classes, like, oh my gosh, this person that never even thought about writing before has this beautiful family story to tell or, or whatever it may be. And, um, so I, I just, I totally encourage people to, even if it's not writing, maybe it's painting or sort of doing something outside of your chosen form, I think can be really helpful. Is this class you're teaching now, is that something that you organized on your own or was it through, uh, another organization? It's something I organized on my own. Um, yeah, it's something I wanted, I've been wanting to do for a while. And then once Zoom became such a thing, I was like, well, this seems like a way to reach and connect with people that um, I want to see if I enjoy this. And I, I just sort of felt like I have an angle with just having been an actor who kind of transitioned to writing that maybe I could share with other people and maybe that would be helpful. Um, yeah. So we're about to start a new session of it in like a week or two. Um, and I'm going to do it intermittent intermittently. So, yeah. Um, just for anyone who's listening, would you like mm-hmm. post about that on Instagram or something? When you have yes. Coming? I usually post about it on Instagram. Also, you know, I think my email is still on my website. Like people could email me to ask about it or, um, yeah, I would love that. Yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) If you are feeling, um, like you're in the dark side or really feeling stuck, are there any tangible things that you reach for again and again, like a book that you reread or music you listen to? Mm -hmm. I mean, you already spoke about reaching out to friends, but something Mm -hmm. like that. The war of art by Stephen Pressfield. Do you know this book? I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever read it. It's so good. And it's so tiny. It's like, it's the kind of thing you'll pick it up and read like five pages and want to start making something. Cause it's so, mm-hmm. it talks about resistance and this sort of unseen force that's out to get all of us <laughs> and stop us from doing our artistic work, anything good for <laughs> you. But it just, it's so weirdly practical even though it's sort of like metaphysical um but I you know sometimes I replay the same podcast interviews over and over sometimes I watch Elizabeth Gilbert's talk about creativity I think that just the way she frames creativity as something outside of yourself and something you can um you know that doesn't that it's not all dependent on you as the artist that you can show up and there's something outside mm. of you that has to show up too. <laughs> and I really um, enjoy the way that she frames that. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. It, Cause um, it is, it is easy mm-hmm. to, um, 
to get down on yourself about like, oh, I'm not, yes. <laughs> the idea isn't coming. The creative, like I mm-hmm. be creative, you know? <laughs> it's so frustrating. And that is a good way yes. to think about it. Yeah. It's really nice to but just not all free yourself you. a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those are two big ones. Mm-hmm. And then the final question is, have you seen or taken in any piece of art recently that you want to recommend? Hmm. I know you said you're seeing Passover. Well, I'm tonight. seeing Passover, which I recommend everyone see. Um, <laughs> I saw I haven't it seen off this Broadway. production yet. Yeah, I've read it, but I haven't um, actually seen it. But I know it's going to be amazing. Um, well, I'm watching Succession. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm so behind. <laughs> I'm so behind the world on Succession. I recommend it to everyone. Um, I was like, I don't think I want to watch people be mean to each other for this long. Um, but it's fascinating and it's so I hear it's good. really good. I feel like we've so been holding off good. just mm-hmm. like another show about rich white people, but I've heard it's really Absolutely. good. Absolutely. But it's a little satirical. I mean, it's mm-hmm. quite satirical about like pointing at that. It's so absurd. It's like Shakespeare in a way to me, like just the structure and whatever. I, I'm deep in it. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm obviously... Um, it's not the be all end all art for sure, but it is pretty great. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but I mean, mostly I've just been, you know, I feel like I watched a movie recently. Well, I can't, I, all the things I'm recommending are like so dark. And so not recent, (laughs) like Midsummer, the film, I can't really recommend that to anyone. It's so dark and, but I can't (laughs) stop thinking about it. So there's just like, I, I've been, you know, um, never rarely, sometimes always incredible film. Anyway, those are all things that I've just been kind of swirling around in my mind. Also, you can stream my play Walden at TheaterWorks Hartford starting in like four days, August 15th. Um, So that's a piece of art that this production is so stunning. Like the design is stunning. The cast is amazing. Um, and I just watched a cut of the streaming version. That's, um, very good. So is it going to be up for very long? I think it's through the 29th, which is when the play in person closes also. Okay, great. Amy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was such thank a pleasure. And long for you. Yes. Thank you for listening to the compass podcast if you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of the compass please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com the compass podcast pledges start at as little as one dollar a month and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated also if you have a moment please review and follow in itunes every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity the Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brendan Spieth, audio assistance from Monic Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 